Would you take the word of God with me and we'll go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We have finally finished in chapter 1. I must admit, though, there were so many other truths in chapter 1 that we could have looked at. Um, could have spent even more time there, but just felt that the Lord would have us move on. But in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, uh, we learned a lot about Timothy's responsibility uh, to hold fast what he had been taught, uh, especially in light of the fact that Paul was in prison and soon to be executed. Uh, also in light of the fact that there was this scarcity of individuals keeping the faith. Paul told Timothy, all they which are in Asia um, have forsaken me. Uh, Timothy, you're one of or maybe the only person I feel that I can turn to to pass on the baton of the gospel work that God has given me. And so uh, these commands to Timothy to hold fast are, are, are very urgent. Uh, but also there's this promised reward for Timothy. As we learned last week, if, if Timothy would follow the example of Onesiphorus and stand by the man of God, uh, God would reward him. So in chapter 1, we, we really looked a lot at uh, the what and the why of Timothy's responsibilities. He was to be partaker of afflictions. He was to hold fast. He was to keep the good thing uh, that he had been given. Uh, and then we looked a lot at the why. Um, you know, the urgency of the hour. And multiple times, you know, in verse 15 of chapter 1, Paul says, this thou knowest. And then at the end of verse 18, Paul says, thou knowest very well. So he's telling Timothy, you know why this is so important. Uh, you know what is at stake. And so the what and the why of Timothy's responsibility have been made very clear. But now as we enter into chapter 2, uh, we're going to see more of the how of Timothy's responsibilities. Now that you understand what it is that you're supposed to do and why it's so important, here's how to do it. And so Paul is going to get a lot more practical uh, in this chapter and outline uh, the, the main responsibilities of Timothy. So with that in mind, let's begin reading in verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's read responsively. I'll read the first verse. You can read verse 2, uh, so on, all the way through verse 7. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. 
and for the privilege now to consider what you have told us. Lord, we ask that you'd help us after uh, a long day for, for most here, uh, that you would give us the ability to really pay attention and uh, to listen carefully to what you have to say to us. And we do ask that you would, like you've promised in this passage, you would give us understanding of all these things. We recognize that without your Holy Spirit enabling this preacher and enabling the ears of your people, uh, that all this will be for naught. And so please, we ask for your help now uh, to glean from this passage the truths that you have for us. God, I ask that you would guide my tongue, give me clarity of thought and speech. And we ask that the Lord Jesus would be lifted up in this hour and he would draw each of our hearts closer to him. Father, please, we pray that uh, as a result of what we hear tonight, we would leave here different than how we've come. Please speak to us now and help me, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. In these first seven verses of chapter two, uh, God gives Timothy and us four practical commands that we are to obey if we are going to fulfill our responsibility as preachers of the gospel. Now, obviously, this passage is specifically dealing uh, with preachers, those who've been called into full-time ministry like Timothy. But all Christians' responsibilities, uh, when you really boil it down uh, to what the Scripture has told all Christians to do, all of our responsibilities are much the same. Uh, they may be to a, a, a different degree, or they may manifest themselves in a little bit different ways, but all of us as believers have been called to preach the gospel. Remember, the Great Commission was given to the church, not just to people called into full-time ministry, as we would call it. Remember, Mark 16, 15, the Great Commission says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. I believe that command is to every believer. In Acts 8, verse 4, when you, when you watch the church in Acts and see how they obeyed the Great Commission, it wasn't just the apostles, but it was all of God's people getting involved in this work of preaching the gospel. And in Acts 8, 4, it says, Therefore, they that were scattered abroad, so all the believers that were scattered abroad because of persecution, went everywhere preaching the word. So if we are to follow the example of the church in Acts, every single one of us has to get serious about our responsibility to preach the gospel. Not only that, uh, the New Testament makes it clear that the church is the body of Christ, that we are Christ's hands and feet today to continue the work that he began. And what did he come to this earth to do? 1 Timothy 1 verse 15 makes it abundantly clear. Christ came into the world. Why? To save sinners. And if we are going to function as his body, then we are going to have to be faithful uh, to the call to preach the gospel. Now, we're going to look at these four practical commands uh, rather briefly, or I hope it'll be brief, and then we'll move on uh, to the portion of this passage where Paul gives Timothy some pictures of what this life that is committed to preaching the gospel, what it's going to look like. But first, let's look at the practical commands 
if you and I are going to be faithful to our calling as preachers of the gospel, we must, number one, rely on grace exclusively. Rely on grace exclusively. Notice verse 1. Thou therefore, Timothy, therefore, because of what I've already told you about what you are to do and why you are to do it, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, if you're going to hold fast the things that you've been taught, if you're going to keep that good thing that was committed to you, if you are going to be faithful to your calling, you must be strong in the grace which is in Christ Jesus. This command to be strong, it's a, a passive imperative. And it really could be restated, or you could say in other words, be enabled. Be, because that's what this word strong means. It means to be enabled by someone or something else. And, and notice how we, as God's people, are enabled to carry on the work of the gospel. It says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What is grace? It is God's unmerited favor. It is every gift that he gives us that we don't deserve, that he gives to us on behalf of and in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul is saying, that is where you're going to get your strength to carry out the ministry, Timothy, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In all that you have been given by God in Christ Jesus, that's how you're going to be enabled to carry out your ministry. And here in verse 1, Paul isn't really introducing a new idea. He, he's already said this in a matter of words to Timothy, and he's just repeating it here. Notice in verse 6 of chapter 1, he says, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. Any gift from God is, is a gift of grace, something that we don't deserve. And, and in verse 6 of chapter 1, he's referring to the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, how Timothy had been gifted by God to carry out the work of the ministry. In verse 7, he says, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So that is where Timothy was going to get his strength. And then the same type of idea in verse 13 of chapter 1, he says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. How are you going to hold fast, Timothy? By believing uh, in all that God has told you and all that God has given you and in the love that you have been given in Christ Jesus. Then in 14, uh, the same idea as before is repeated. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost, that spirit of power and love and of a sound mind, which dwelleth in us. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, Timothy, be enabled, be strong in all that God has given you. And Timothy, he's given you the same Holy Spirit that he's given me. He, he's given you the same love that he's given me. Everything that Paul had that enabled him uh, to really turn the world upside down with the gospel, Timothy had all those same gifts from God, and that is where he was going to get his strength. 
when you look at the other occurrences uh, of this Greek word for be strong in the New Testament, they show how this played out in Paul's life. From the very beginning of, of Saul's, uh, Paul's life as a believer in Acts 9 verse 22, here he's still called Saul. He, he's just been saved. And it says of him, Saul increased the more in strength. And increased in strength. It's the same Greek word for be strong. You know, that's what God wants for you as a believer. He wants you every day to be increased in strength. To be getting stronger and stronger in all that he has given you in Christ. And because of this strength that Saul or Paul had at the very beginning of his life as a Christian, it says he confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. So from the very moment that a Christian gets saved, God enables them by his spirit, by the Lord Jesus Christ indwelling them, to carry out this work of gospel preaching. We don't have to wait until we've got it all figured out. We don't have to wait until we've been in church for over a decade. From the very beginning, God begins to increase believers in strength to enable them to carry out the ministry. Philippians 4.13, the same Greek word as be strong here. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Oh no, we can't do all things in our strength. Oh no, we can't do this work of preaching the gospel in our ability, but we can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth us. In 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, it's the same word, but it's translated here where Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. For that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. God does not call anywhere, uh, call a Christian to do anything that he doesn't also enable them to do it. And, and he has enabled every single one of us to carry out this work of the gospel ministry. And that is why he commands us to be strong. By my count, as I was studying this this week, 22 times in our English Bible, God commands us to be strong. You'll find the phrase be strong more than that, but explicit commands where God tells his people, be strong 22 times. You think God wants us to be strong? I think so. He commands us 22 times, be strong. But it's not be strong in your strength. It's not be strong in what you can do. It's not be strong in how you feel or, or what capabilities you think you have. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And this strength, it's very counter to what we think of as strength. In 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10, this is what it looks like. The Apostle Paul, he's recounting his experience and he says that Christ told him, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, 
in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You can't be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus or of Christ Jesus when you're relying on yourself. You can't be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus until you come to the place where you realize how weak you are. Until you have come to the place where, where, where you understand this calling to be faithful to the gospel, this command to preach the gospel to every creature, until you come to the place where you understand, I can't do it. I'm too weak. I'm too selfish. I'm too whatever. You fill in the blank. Until you come to the place where you recognize, I can't, but he can, you'll never experience his strength. Because it's when we are weak, and we're weak all the time. It's just a matter of whether we recognize it or not. But when we recognize how weak we are and look to him, it's then that we're strong. So Christian, if you're going to be faithful to this work of preaching the gospel that God has called us to, you must rely on grace exclusively. It's not rely on God's grace after I've tried it my own way and I'm struggling a little bit and then I, no, no, no. It's relying entirely on the grace of God, on his enabling. Number two, not only do we need to rely exclusively on God's grace, we are called to reproduce ourselves exponentially. Reproduce ourselves exponentially. Look at verse two. Timothy, you know what you're supposed to do. You know why you're supposed to do it, but here's how. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You know what's interesting about that word, shall be able? I learned this this week. I found it quite interesting. It's in what you call the middle voice. And that means that it's a, it's a verb that is it, uh, where the subject is acting upon itself. What do I mean by that? Well, these faithful men who shall be able to teach others also, they're the ones who have to work to become able to teach others also. So there's this work involved on the part of the disciple to learn how to teach others also. And this is God's desire for every believer. He desires that we would reproduce ourselves exponentially, that we would teach others who are able to teach others also. Parents, that means God wants you to teach your children so that they can teach their children. Older men in the church, that means God wants you to teach younger men who can then teach younger men when they get older. And on and on it goes. The only way this, this gospel will be perpetuated is if we reproduce ourselves. And we can't leave this work just for the pastor. We can't leave this work just for the really committed people at church. No, every single one of us needs to take seriously this call to reproduce ourselves. And number three, we must receive hardship eagerly. Receive hardship eagerly. Notice verse three. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier 
of Jesus Christ. That word endure hardness, it, it's one word uh, in the Greek. It, it, it basically means hardship is going to happen to you, afflictions, trouble. So just expect it and be ready to endure it because it's going to happen. It, it literally means undergo or experience hardship. Uh, that's what he's commanding him. Go through difficult things, Timothy. Just be ready for it. And, and, and you notice he says, thou, therefore. What's the therefore? Therefore. Well, Paul has been commanding Timothy, you need to devote your life to doing exactly what I have done. The apostle Paul devoted his life to being strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and then teaching others to be able to teach others also. And so having commanded Timothy to do what he has done with his life, he puts this here, thou therefore endure hardness, because look where Paul is, and look what he is experiencing, because he has committed himself to reproducing himself in the gospel. He's in prison. Verse 9, it's the same word for endure hardness. He says, wherein I suffer trouble. So he's saying, if you're going to do what I'm calling you to do, you're going to suffer trouble just like I am. So be ready for it. Expect it. And don't quit when the going gets tough. In chapter 4, verse 5, Paul repeats this command to Timothy. He says, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. It's the same word there again. You know why so many Christians aren't faithful to the work of the gospel? Why so many Christians struggle with trials, struggle with difficulties? Because we let them surprise us. We, we let them take us off guard. Something difficult happens, and, and instead of, as we're told in James 1, 2, counting it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations, we look at God and say, why is this happening to me? Why do I have to go through this difficulty. And all along, God has made it very clear, if you're going to follow the Lord Jesus, you have to go by way of the cross. It's not going to be easy. And how much, how much failure could we avoid as Christians if we stopped letting hardship and difficulty surprise us and we began to expect it and to receive it eagerly? Now that may sound crazy to our fleshly human mind but but that is what the gospel calls us to second timothy 3 verse 12 later in this epistle says yea all that will live godly in christ jesus shall suffer persecution so stop letting it surprise you christian when the christian life is hard or when you face difficulty and instead receive it eagerly knowing that God is making you more like Christ through it. Number four, if we're going to take seriously this call to be preachers of the gospel, we must ruminate the truth expectantly. Ruminate the truth expectantly. Ruminate means to give serious and careful thought to something. And notice in verse seven, this is the fourth command that God gives to Timothy and to us, he says, consider what I say. And the Lord give thee understanding 
in all things. That word consider, it means to give careful attention to something, to make sure you understand it. And, and to close out this message, what we're going to look at is verses 4 through 6, where the Apostle Paul gives Timothy, okay, these are the responsibilities of you as a gospel preacher. These are the practical commands. And when you begin living this out, this is what it's going to look like. Consider it. Think deeply on it and begin to live by these truths and expect that the Lord's going to give you understanding and then that he's going to enable you to live it out. You know, that's, that's such a problem for us as Christians. We, we hear the truth. We, we read it in the morning, maybe in our devotions, but we don't really take time to consider it and to meditate on it and to live by it. The, the blessed man in Psalm chapter 1, he meditated in God's word day and night. He considered what God said and the practical implications of it. And then he began to live by what he read. And that's what God is calling us to do here. And so what exactly is it in this passage that we are supposed to ruminate or, or, or really consider deeply? Well, in verses 4 through 6, God gives us three pictures of what this life of, as a Christian, of being faithful to the gospel, what it is going to look like. If you're going to take seriously God's call to preach the gospel, this is what it's going to look like. Number one, your life is going to look like that of a devoted soldier. A devoted soldier. Notice verse four. So Paul says, Thou therefore, Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Timothy, you're in a battle. You're in a war. And you're going to have to endure hardness as a good soldier. Verse 4, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. That word warreth, it means to engage in military activity, to war as a soldier. And he's saying, look, Timothy, if someone who enlists in the Roman army or is, is chosen to be a soldier in the Roman army, they have to give up everything else and devote themselves exclusively to this life of a soldier. And if they have to give up everything for him who called them to be a soldier, why would you think you would have any out? Or why do you think there'd be any space in your life for anything else? You're going to have to be totally devoted to this work of being a soldier. Notice that phrase, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. I read this this week. It said, the Roman soldier was expected to keep one thing in view and only one, the service of his commander. And for, for part of the Roman Empire, it, it didn't last. It, the rule was too hard to enforce. But for a while, the Roman soldier was not allowed to marry, nor could he engage in agriculture, trade, or manufactures. He was a soldier, and he could not be anything else. And, and so God is looking to us as Christians, and he's saying, be not entangled with the affairs of this life. That word entangled, it means uh, to be entwined in something. 
It means to become so involved in, in, in some activity as to experience severe restrictions as to what one can do. You're, you're so involved in this that you can't be involved in anything else. Uh, Miss Andrea has uh, recently taken up crochet and she'll, she'll take the yarn and she'll weave it together, knit it together, and, and she's made a couple beautiful bags. Uh, but once that piece of yarn is crocheted into whatever she's making, she's also working on a pillowcase, that piece of yarn is so entwined that it's not going to be useful for anything else but what she is creating. It's so tightly interwoven in there, there's no untwisting it. I'm sure there's a way to, to try to get it back, but once it's entwined, that's it. She's gonna have to get different yarn if she's going to make something else. And how many of us as Christians become so entwined, so knit in temporal activities, in temporal pursuits that we are not a free piece of yarn for God to use where he pleases. Can you, can you ask yourself honestly, is my life free for my captain, Lord Jesus, who's chosen me to be a soldier, is it free for him to use me anywhere he chooses? In any way, he chooses. If not, we have become entangled in the affairs of this life. Oh yes, we have to work a job. Yes, we have to go grocery shopping and we have to clean the house and we have to do all these affairs of this life. But the question is, are we so entangled in these temporal things that we haven't given God the space to, to prioritize eternal things? If we're so entwined in the affairs of this life, that, that disciple-making and preaching the gospel isn't happening on a regular basis. We're too entangled in the affairs of this life. But notice the, the motivation for this being a devoted soldier is that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. We'll close with that thought. We won't be able to get through the rest of this. But Christian, God has chosen you and I to be a soldier. And that word chosen to be a soldier, it, it, it's, uh, it, 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 it's from a family of words in the Greek where we get the word strategy. And so God has a strategy for how he is going to have victory over uh, the devil, how he is going to save sinners, and he has chosen to make us soldiers in his army. What a privilege that we get to serve him every day of our lives, that we don't have to be entangled in the affairs of this life, but we get to live every moment to please him who hath chosen us to be a soldier. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have chosen us for this work of preaching the gospel. And Lord, we thank you that you have enabled us by your grace and Lord, we pray that you teach us to rely on your grace exclusively. And Father, help us when uh, trials and testings come. Help us not to be surprised by them. 
but to receive them eagerly, knowing that you have something good for us in that trial. And Lord, I pray that you would help us all to take seriously our responsibility to reproduce ourselves. And Lord, I pray that you'd work in our lives if, if, if our daily life doesn't look like that of a soldier with this single purpose of, 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 of serving Christ, our master, our captain. If it doesn't show that commitment of a soldier, then I pray that you would convict us and work in our lives that we would forsake everything else. We wouldn't be entangled in anything else and we would give ourselves wholly to the work of preaching the gospel. Oh Lord, please work in this brief invitation we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As the piano plays, God has spoken to your hearts with heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's take time to respond.